So you're thinking about running, but not sure how to take the first step. My name's Brian Patterson, and I'm here to help. And welcome to Brian's Rompod. Welcome back to Brian's Wrong Pod, and I really hope you've been enjoying the last few episodes. Well, today we're going to be talking about one of the sporting great icons, the only man to win the 5,000, the 10,000 and the marathon at the same Olympic Games, Emil Zatopek. Emil Zatopek dominated his sport and is the only runner to win those three events in one Olympic Games, as I said. Zadapak had a distinctive running style. He would plant, pant and wheeze and look visibly shattered during a race. And according to the Olympic Games website, this led him to be nicknamed the Locomotive. When asked about his rather inelegant looking style, he replied, this isn't gymnastics or ice skating, you know. In the beginning, Emil Zadapak was born in Czechoslovakia in 1922. His working class parents, Frantisek and Anzek, had eight children in all. The large family meant family finances were spread thinly and Emil was always conscious of living close to the poverty line. As a child, Zadipek was bright, independently minded and an unusual power of memory. Many friends said an abiding characteristic of young Zadipek was his willingness to try everything differently. In 1937, just short of his 15th birthday, Zadipek left his hometown to work in a large batter factory in Zlin. For the time, it was a reasonable job, though very disciplined and somewhat repetitive. Aged 18, he had no interest in running, but on one occasion was picked by his company to join a race. Despite his protestations that he was unfit, he was forced to start the race and ended up coming second out of a hundred. Sometimes fate has a funny way of identifying one's talent. At that point, he began to take a serious interest in running. He joined the local athletics club, where he developed his own training program, modelled on what he read about the great Finnish Olympian Paavo Nurmi. And maybe that's someone we will cover in our future podcast. This began his interest in running, and within four years, he was representing Czechoslovakia. The Second World War and the German occupation of Czechoslovakia meant he lost some of the best years of his career. But during the war, he was able to preserve uh, with his training and make significant improvements. But after the Second World War, he joined the new Czechoslovakian army, who were sympathetic to allowing him to train, especially as international success followed. In 1948, he became a household name winning the 10K in the austerity London Olympics. He also finished second in the five kilometres, though many felt that running with great reserve in his heats may have enabled him to win. So Zadipek remarked on how significant the 1948 Olympics were. For me, the 1948 Olympics were a liberation of the spirit. After all those dark days of the war, the bombing, the killing, the starvation, the revival of the Olympics was as if the sun had come out. I went into the Olympic Village in 1948 and suddenly there were no more frontiers, no more barriers, just the people meeting together. It was wonderfully warm. 
men and women who had lost five years of their life were back again. So what is the background to the 1948 Games? The 1948 Games came to be known as the Austerity Games due to the difficult economic climate and rationing imposed in the aftermath of the World War II. No new venues were built for the Games, with events taking place mainly at the Wembley Stadium, also known as the Empire Stadium, and the Empire Pool at Wembley Park. And athletes were housed in the existing accommodation at Wembley area instead of the Olympic Village, as were the 1936 Games and the subsequent 1952 Games in Helsinki. A record of 59 nations were represented by 4,104 athletes, 3,714 men and 390 women in 19 sport disciplines. Germany and Japan were not invited to participate in the Games. The Soviet Union was invited but chose not to send any athletes, sending observers instead to prepare for the 1952 Olympics. Israel requested to participate but was denied as the International Olympic Committee did not yet recognise the country. This in turn shifted the view of the Arab countries who had intended to boycott the event and now decided to take part. So even then, the politics was not far from the sport. In 1939, the International Olympic Committee were awarded awarded the 1944 Olympic Summer Games to London ahead of the Rome, Detroit, Budapest, Lausanne, Helsinki, Montreal and Athens. World War II stopped the plans and the Games was cancelled, so London again stood as candidate for the 1948. Great Britain almost handed the 1948 Games to the the United States due to the post-war financial and rationing problems. But King George VI said that this could be the chance to restore Britain from World War II. The official report of the London Olympics shows that there was no case of London being pressed to run the Games against its will. So going back to Emil, his marriage to Zana, his wife. Shortly after the 1948 Games, he married Zana, who was also um, an Olympian, and she was an Olympic javelin thrower. And during the London Olympics, he bought two gold rings from a shop in Piccadilly Circus. He proposed in an unusual fashion... They were both born in the 19th of September 1922. So we were both born on the same day, he said. What if, by chance, we were also to get married on the same day? Their marriage was largely happy, though, to Immel's disappointment, remained childless. After 1948 Olympics, the Zadipex dominance of the middle distance running grew, leading to several world records. On the 29th of September 1951, Imil became the first person to run 20 kilometres in under one hour and broke four world records in one breathtaking race. By the end of 1953, he held eight world running records, the only man in history to hold so many records at the same time. In total, he set 18 world records. The 1952 Helsinki Olympics. In 1952, Emil Zadepek achieved one of the greatest Olympic feats of all time, something that will probably never be reproduced. He won gold in the 5K, 10K, and then at the last moment decided to run his first ever marathon. Despite no previous experience at the distance, he won the race by over two minutes. The triple Olympic gold remains an unprecedented achievement, 
The amazing feature of this Olympics was that two months before the Olympics, doctors advised him not to race because of an infected gland, and Zalapak ignored the doctor's advice. Another incident shortly before the 1952 Olympics always illustrates Zalapak's willingness to take an unorthodox stance. In 1952, Czechoslovakia was in the throes of a great political oppression, with many people put in jail and executed for suspected political views. Stalinist purges, Stalinist purges were widespread and even athletics was not immune. Just eight months prior, the entire national ice hockey team was arrested and eight players sentenced to a total of 77 years. Their crimes were supposedly contemplating defection. Shortly before the Olympics, Danislav Jungwirth was excluded from the national team on the grounds his father was in prison for political offences. But Zadapek was infuriated and told the Ministry of Sports that Ostanda does not, does not go, nor will I. Zadapek's stance was brave and perhaps foolhardy, as the consequences could have been severe. It was also remarkable given that what was at stake for Zadapek, um, and he was widely tipped to be the favourite for at least two Olympic golds. In the end, the Ministry of Sports climbed down and allowed both Standa and Zalapak to travel. However, a dossier was made on Zalapak for his possible punishment after the Games. It was with this threat hanging over his head that Zalapak competed in the Olympics. His unique triple of the Olympic golds gave Zalapak a public popularity which saved him from further punishment. A lesser athlete would have probably fared very differently. Zalapak was not just an Olympic champion, but a gregarious character who spontaneously built up relationships and goodwill with athletes from other countries. In the 1952 Helsinki Olympics, it was Zalapak who embodied the Olympic ideal, often allowing Westerners into separate Warsaw-packed Olympic accommodation. To Zalapak, the Olympics was significant for its ideals of international friendship. He learned to speak several languages and easily struck up conversations with people from all around the world. He had a deeply generous spirit, frequently helping out strangers or people who came to see him in his Prague flat. Let's have a think, look into his running style. Well, Emil threw everything into his running and this was reflected in his agonising facial expressions. His running style was often criticised for being gangly, inefficient and unattractive. But Zalapak retorted to, you don't win any prizes for looks in a running race. He ignored his critics and retained his unique style throughout his career. He said, I shall learn to have a better style once they start judging races according to their beauty. So long as it's a question of speed, then my attention will be directed to seeing how fast I can cover the ground. ground. Emil Zalapak's training. Emil Zalapak was renowned for his hard training routines. He would train whatever the weather and pushed himself through the punishing training routines to get the best out of himself. He is said to have done 400 metre intervals up to 80 times in one training session. In many ways, Zalapak was a great pioneer of interval training. Making short, hard intervals, intense efforts, his philosophy was to divert speed and to be able to repeat this over a long period of time. Speaking of his intense uh, training, Sadapak said, if one can stick to the training throughout the many long years, then willpower is no longer a problem. Uh, 
It's, tr- it's raining. It doesn't matter. I'm tired. That's beside the point. It's simply that I just have to. At the time, this challenged the conventional training wisdom. Zanapak remarked on the issue of, of the interval training. Emil Zanapak on interval training. Everyone said, Emil, you're a fool. But when I first won my first European Championship, they said, Emil, you're a genius. So Emil Zanapak's principles, as he grew up in an international stature, Zanapak was used as a spokesman for the communist regime. His working-class roots and sporting prowess made him a useful spokesman. He was also a gifted speaker who had the capacity to connect with the audience. Though mostly staying off politics, he did believe in socialism and communism and later joined the Communist Party. However, he did increasingly become aware of the failings of the communist regime. In the Prague Spring of 1968, Sadepak spoke out for the democratic wing who were calling for greater change and freedom from the Kremlin. Zanapek had tremendous loyalty to Alexander Dubček, the leader of the democratic wing who opposed the Russian invasion. When the revolution failed and the Soviet hardliners reasserted control, Zanapek was punished for his enthusiastic support of the Prague Spring. He was expelled from the army and the Communist Party. He lost the comfort of his former life and for several years had to work in a mine. International travel and national acclaim dried up completely. Zanipak was now a, sus- a suspect. Post-1966, 68, was a difficult time for Zanipak with pressure put on him to forsake his former democratic views. Slowly, he was somewhat rehabilitated by the regime after learning to be more circumspect in expressing political views. By the mid-1970s, he was able to travel again, representing Czechoslovakia at international sporting events. As well as being a great runner, Imel was legendary for his generous heart and good nature. The Australian runner Ron Clark had achieved many spectacular achievements in athletics, but an Olympic gold had always eluded him. When Ron Clark went to visit Zadapak, Zadapak accompanied him to the airport. At the last moment, Zadapak thrust something in his hand. Clark thought it might be some secret document, but when he got on the plane, he was shocked to see an Olympic gold medal with a note from Zadapak saying simply, because you deserve it, Clark said. I don't know, no one cherishes any gift more than I do, more, more, my only Olympic gold medal, and not because of what it is, but because of the man whose spirit it represents. Salapak had tremendous sincerity, he recounts arriving in the 1948 Olympics in London. It was my first competition in Olympic Games, and surprised to come to the Olympic statement and to read the most important things about the Games was not to win, but to take part. What? Not to win? But I wish to win. Salapak passed away, aged 78, on the 22nd of November in Prague, 2000. He had lived to see the overthrow of the repressive communist regime and left a profound legacy of the athletic achievement. His funeral at Prague's National Theory, National Theatre was crowded with leading figures from the international sports world. What an amazing, amazing athlete. And, well, um, I know we have covered some amazing icons of the sport, but Imel Zanapek is someone who has really transcended 
sort of not only was he an amazing runner, but also a great, great human being and obviously willing to cross sort of the the boundaries in terms of, you know, politics and friendship. So, well, anyway, this is a bit of a uh, shorter episode than normal. And no doubt, I hope you've really enjoyed this episode. And don't forget, we've got, um, uh, if you haven't, we've got some great interviews um, that we've with uh, Stuart Hayes, uh, a friend of mine, John, um, who's a regular runner, and Caitlin Limmer, who um, who founded the Bear Cut uh, running community. So please do give those a listen, and also to some of my running other po- my other uh, podcasts about some of techniques of running and uh, how I go about my own running as well. So. Thanks very much, and uh, I hope you've really much enjoyed this episode. And that's a wrap for another exhilarating episode of Brian's Run Pod. Thanks for tuning in, folks. As always, we've got your back with all things running, and next week, get ready for some awesome beginner hints and tips to kickstart your running journey. Oh, and before we sign off, exciting news. We're now available on YouTube, so whether you're pounding the pavement or chilling at home, you can catch us there too. Plus, we have a new feature on the podcast. You can now send me a message. Yep, you heard it right. Brian's Rompod has become interactive with the audience. If you look at the top of the episode description, tap on send us a text message. You can tell me what you think of the episode or alternatively what you would like covered. If you're lucky, I might even read them out on the podcast. Hey, if you want to keep up with the latest updates, behind-the-scenes fun, and even some exclusive content, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter, or should I say X, at Brian's Rompod. We've also just launched a shiny new Facebook page. Simply search for Brian's Rompod and give us a like. And don't forget to hop on over to Instagram, where you can catch all our visual adventures at Brian's Rompod. For those of you who love diving deep into the episodes, head over to our website, www.brianesrompod.co.uk and there you'll find detailed show notes, handy chapter markers, make it too easy to navigate through our favourite discussions. Please leave a review as it will always help find others find this podcast. Music is by Happy Days by Stock Audio, not forgetting artwork by Alice Patterson. Till next week, thanks again for listening. 